Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak podcast. I am Nikki Ivey, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks, welcome to episode six of our Dog Speak podcast. I was really up and down on what I wanted to cover this week, but I was at a client's house yesterday working with her and her six dogs, and she lives alone on lots and lots and lots of acreage, but she has six dogs. And when I first went to her house, we went basically for one dog who was having problems. And um, we really had to do a lot of changing with the way that she was interacting and, and going from using uh, more positive training techniques. And, you know, we've been working with her for quite some time. But as I was watching yesterday with her six dogs, it got me thinking how many people have multiple dogs in their household and how they do struggle to get everybody on the same page. It's just like having a family and getting everybody on the same page there on how to interact with the dogs and train the dogs. So I think I want to take this opportunity for this podcast to talk about multiple dog households and how to properly get that training done and is a multiple dog household appropriate? Um, you know, what can you do to prevent any issues from from happening? Because we do deal with a lot of inter-pack aggression issues. And this is where dogs may have been living together for years and all of a sudden now they are fighting and fighting to where it's not um, just a uh, periodic fight, but something that's more of kind of not liking each other at this point. And it will get to that if you don't do something. But there are things that we can do to prevent these issues from happening to begin with. So that's what this podcast is going to be about. We're going to talk about multiple dogs and management and preventing issues and training. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. 
And if you have multiple dogs, then this definitely is one for you. Owning multiple dogs, I believe, is really a personal preference. Many people get multiple dogs just because they love dogs and the more the merrier. Uh, you know, you got crazy cat people. I'm, I'm a crazy cat lady. Um, I love my dogs as well. Um, but you also have crazy dog people. And, you know, they would have a hundred of them if they could. And so sometimes it's just a personal preference. Some people choose to get another dog. Uh, maybe they have, a, have one dog and they want to get a second dog so their dog doesn't feel so lonely. Maybe everyone in the household wants their own pet. You know, I've seen families to where they get two puppies at a time. One is for one child and one is for another child. So there are many reasons why people have multiple dogs in their home. Uh, regardless of the reason behind it, we definitely need to make sure that we get training done. Now, if you have one dog or two dogs and you're thinking about getting an extra dog, I highly recommend that you ensure that all problems and all training has taken place previously with the dogs that you do have. You certainly don't want to bring in a dog into the home if you're having behavior problems or manner issues with the dogs that are currently living in your home. So you'll want to try to get some training first and then um, maybe bring in another dog so that the established dogs can help teach the new dog some of the rules as well. You know, dogs will mimic behavior, and if you have dogs with bad behavior, guess what? Your new dog is going to learn that. So be sure that your established dogs understand the rules, the expectations, and make sure that the entire family is on board, and the entire family is going to help out. Um, it's very difficult for one person to handle that many dogs, um, you know, but it can be done if you are doing the right thing, which means training yourself to develop good habits so that you can teach new dogs. So let's talk about training. Obviously, you guys have been listening to me. You know I do positive reinforcement. And, and the biggest thing that I do is I, I teach owners. And I teach owners to have good habits because training is something that happens 24-7. Training is always taking place. Anytime you look at your dog, talk to your dog, touch your dog, you're teaching the dog something. And so if we develop good habits in the humans, then the training is taking place on a regular basis and not just when they go to class or not just when they do a session with us, but they're actually teaching all the time. And, and that really is what needs to happen so that it's a constant thing. If, if an owner has to think too hard on teaching, uh, they're going to have poor timing. They're going to be inconsistent. They're not going to establish uh, leadership, which is that confidence. And so it's really the best to develop good habits in the human. And then it doesn't matter what dog they're hanging out with. They're basically still doing the same thing. So training is, imp is important. And I, I always start with the owners and teaching them what they need to know. Now, how do you train multiple dogs? Well, this is one that's really hard for people because I like to separate dogs and give them some one-on-one -on -one time with the owners. I want those dogs to have an opportunity to learn without the distraction of their sibling, their housemate. Uh, they need an opportunity to focus and just get that attention and, and get a little bit of time with their owner. Don't just allow the dogs to 
accommodate each other and just hang out with each other, and the only time you spend time with them is when it's together, you'll want to do some one-on-one time, and you'll want to work with them individually to help them learn behavior that's appropriate. One of the things that we love to teach is uh, door control, where we teach dogs not to bolt through doors without permission. Uh, We do not use commands such as stay, wait, Uh, we don't have dogs sit or lay down or do anything specific before going through a door. We basically teach dogs that you do not cross a threshold that has a barrier that a human controls without permission. It doesn't matter who opens it, how long it stays open, or what the human is doing. It doesn't matter if the human has walked away, the back is turned, the human is looking at the dog. It doesn't matter that the rule is not based on the human behavior, but it's just the rule. And in order to teach this, we have to get the dogs individually and teach them individually so that our timing can be, can be right and the dog can learn much faster. Think about having dogs as, it's like having a football team. You know, you have your quarterbacks, your receivers, you have your running backs. Each position has to learn their role before they can come together with everyone else. You know, the quarterbacks are going to learn their part while the receivers are going to learn how to run their routes. And then once they learn how to run their routes, the quarterback and the receivers will then get together. Then they can start practicing that part of things. If you try to do it together, uh, there's going to be a lot of frustration and the timing is going to be off. The dog is not going to learn as quickly as it can. So separating the dogs and working them individually is absolutely crucial. Uh, When You know, we like to do hand feeding exercises, which basically teaches dogs to think and use their brain. And when we do that, um, you know, it allows the dog to learn some self-control and problem solving as well as allowing the human to learn better skills in training a dog without having to focus on more than one dog. So you see, it's just very important that we take these dogs individually. Let's let's go back to my client. So she has six dogs. They range all from um, old to uh, pretty young. They are really big dogs, um, all of them except for um, two. You got one really small, then you got a couple medium size, but then you have, um, you know, (laughs) three really large dogs who make up, um, like they're almost two dogs a piece. They're big, they're big dogs and they're, they're good boys, but in order to make things successful, what we ended up putting in play is she has a walker that will come and walk the dogs every afternoon. Um, And this is after she's already done a lot with them around the farm and um, around the area. But she has a walker that will come and walk the dogs. And what we ended up doing is letting her walk five of the dogs and keeping one dog at the house so that she can have some one-on-one time and really get some focus on that dog. And that has made a huge difference. We focused on the dog who was causing the majority of the problems. And once we got him in place, it really changed the energy of the group. And now, yesterday, when I was over there, we were talking about um, a totally different dog. That now she's having problems with that dog because he's the smallest. And he's been just kind of put off to the side and managed. Not that he does a lot of bad things. Um, it really, he's really good. I mean, she can have these dogs off leash on her property and and things, but, you know, the dog happened to be out in public with her and did not do so well. And so she was like, oh, I really need to 
to put some work into this dog. And so now the five dogs that go out walking are different and she's keeping another dog home to work on that dog specifically. And when she's working with them individually, it doesn't have to be a 30 minute, 45 minute or an hour endeavor. It can be a simple 15 minute session of just this one-on-one of play, teaching, um, love, and, and all of those things that can benefit a dog. So, you know, it's about separation. It's about taking the extra bit of time. And, and yes, it's going to take a little bit more time to train when you have multiple dogs. Um, that's just that's just a fact that, that can't be changed. But but you can make that time, even though it may be less than what you really want, if you only have 20, 30 minutes to spend with your dog individually in a day, um, that's fine. You know, it's about quality. I'd rather you have 10 minutes of real good quality teaching and playtime than 30 minutes of poor quality time just to get the training session in. So it's really about quality and spending that time. Now, We've also talked about doing things like um, door control and working on that door control as well as we have one of her dogs who gets really excited and energetic, but also she gets very nervous. So she becomes um, kind of on the offense to be defensive towards the other dogs. And so she'll kind of get in their face and, and do an attempted muzzle grab. And so what we start to do is work with her individually then put her in an excited place where the behavior may happen, but only put her with one of the other dogs, not the other five, and start teaching her how to deal with that excitement with just one other dog present. Once she gets that down, we'll add another dog, so then she'll learn how to be controlled in an excited state with two dogs, and then three, and so forth, until we eventually get to where she can be with the entire group and not exhibit that behavior. But it starts with, putting her in a position to where she can learn. You know, not all dogs love to be with a big group. She specifically um, likes more quiet time than the others. And so she really likes to spend a lot of time um, in the bedroom away from everybody else, which is fine for a little bit of time. But if we're wanting to teach her how to handle um, the family and handle the group, then we do have to put her in these situations. We just have to make these situations uh, a little bit calmer while she's learning. And then we can start putting her into a little bit more of the chaos that, you know, six dogs can can make happen. But it's about splitting them up and, and doing some individual training with them in order to teach them the behavior that is expected at certain times. And then you start putting the animals together. And this can make a huge difference. Um, I can promise you that. If you try to teach two dogs at the same time to not run outdoors, you're going to fail. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a very dangerous thing if you fail in that situation, if they're running out the front door and running into traffic. So take the extra time, work the dogs individually so they learn behavior individually, and then you can start putting them together to when it looks more like the real world. Okay, um, you know, when I think about when I, the real world and the training, you know, we don't take kids and, and just throw them into the real world. No, they start in kindergarten, then they move up to elementary school, junior high, high school. And even then, I really don't think they're ready for the real world. That's what college or extra schooling is for. 
you know, we don't just throw them in into the real world. We have to slowly teach them the skills that they need in order to help them be successful for the long run. And the long run is what you need to be thinking about. Don't think in short term. Don't think in just management and band-aids. You want to think long term. Take the extra time to walk your dog separately and teach them how to walk appropriately so that eventually you can walk them all together. If you try to walk them all together and neither one of them you know, or, or neither, whether it's two or three, none of them know how to walk individually, then you're going to struggle trying to walk them together. So you have to take that extra time and you have to work on these, these behaviors and you have to teach. If you try to walk your dogs together and they don't know how to walk, it's going to be a very miserable thing for you for months and months and years. But if you just take a month or two and teach your dogs individually how to behave on a leash, how to behave in public, how to behave around other dogs, how to behave around cats and rabbits and squirrels, then once they know what your expectations are, you can then bring the dogs together and help them learn that the same expectations are there if there are two, three, four, or five of them. Okay, so I know this is more work on you, but if you choose to get extra dogs, you have to know it's going to be work. It's not just let's love them and feed them and I will pet their little head when I come home. Dogs need more than that. Um, They need more than just each other. They need expectations. They need rules. They need boundaries. And you're the one that needs to be able to give that to them. And if you have multiple people in your home, great. Everybody can take a dog and work the dog and do their job of training the dog. And then you can come together and that makes it a lot easier. If there are multiple people in the home and only one person is doing the training, then I'm not really sure if that family is prepared for multiple dogs. So that's kind of the part on training and teaching multiple dogs. Um, But how do we deal with dogs that maybe um, are having some issues? And, And how do we deal with things that will allow us to prevent any type of problems of fighting Um, in the home, things like resource guarding, bully behavior. What can we do in the beginning to help with those issues? The first thing you're going to do is what we just talked about. You're going to teach your dogs, set some expectations, uh, put those boundaries in place, and teach your dogs that um, you have the world and you will give it to them, but there are things that are expected from them. Probably the biggest problem we deal with with multi-dog households are fights and disagreements, altercations. And sometimes people let this go too long to where there's no fixing it. But if we can catch it early, we can typically get harmony back into the home. But I don't want to talk about really what do we do when that happens. I want to talk about how to prevent that for this podcast. How do we prevent problems? Sometimes dogs just don't like each other. And there's really nothing you can do. And I'm okay if a dog doesn't like another dog. My expectations are you leave the dog alone, you be respectful of his space, you respect all communication skills, and you don't do any type of bully. You don't have to like him, but you can't be a jerk. So, you know, that's kind of the bottom line on that. However, a lot of times when dogs have problems within the home, they start out as really good friends. And they start out with things kind of just being smooth. And then all of a sudden, 
things start happening. Fights start happening. Um, blood starts getting drawn. People start freaking out. And then they start separating them. So what is the number one cause for problems? I'm going to say bully behavior. And bully behavior consists of disrespecting signals. Um, Bully behavior is trying to control territory, items that really don't belong to them. So you have resource guarding issues as well as disrespecting signals. I'm going to take an example of... An adult dog who um, has lived alone for quite some time and a new puppy has come into the home. The way things start typically is the puppy is going to be a regular puppy. They're going to get in the face of the adult dog and the adult dog is going to do some growling and snarling and snapping. And These are all appropriate behaviors. Uh, That is just not, you know, that's not a big deal. But then as the puppy ages and the puppy is not getting into the dog's face as much or trying to steal toys or balls or food um, and is, is being more respectful, the adult dog is still growling, snarling, snapping, and doing it in situations that are not necessarily appropriate. What usually happens is that this adult dog has learned as that as a puppy, it worked to do that to keep the puppy away, um, and that now he's just not a fan of the of the pup, and so he's going to try to keep him away as much as possible. In the beginning, this looks okay, and we figure they're just going to work things out, and you know they'll learn to like each other. But as the puppy starts to grow and age and mature, the puppy is going to get to a point where he's tired of being growled at and snarled at for no reason. And at that point, the puppy is then going to turn around and start retaliating. And now we have inner pack aggression. People call me and they say, I have this puppy. I think it's trying to establish its dominance because my older dog's the alpha. And now they're fighting. And here's the thing. If you think that your dog growling and snarling is showing himself as the alpha, you're very, very mistaken. Um, A dog who's a leader doesn't have to physically exhibit behavior. Um, In other words, you don't have to see a dog come in and say, hey, I'm in charge. Let me push you around to show you that. Let me growl at you and snarl at you and show you I'm in charge. A dog who is a leader is that confident dog who's quiet, only does what it has to. So if your older dog was the leader, then it wouldn't feel the need to growl at the puppy just as it's walking by the room. And so, you know, the adult dog is definitely not the leader in this case and is really showing bully behavior. All right, so what's our puppy doing? Well, the puppy isn't trying to be dominant because of what I just said. A true leader doesn't have to show themselves in that way. What the puppy's doing is saying, you know what, I'm really tired of you pushing me around. I'm really tired of you being mean, and now I'm just going to lose it. And you may have done this yourself to where someone's not been so nice to you and you've been nice and you've been nice and you've been nice and they've just kept being rude and rude and you're nice and all of a sudden you just lose it, right? It doesn't mean that you're trying to establish leadership. It just means you've lost control. And that's <laughs> that's just part of human nature. So when dogs do it, um, typically they're feeling the same way. So the, the last thing that that you want to do in that situation is be confused on who's 
doing what or what the motivation is, and then you start correcting the wrong dog. And so, you know, if you start correcting the puppy, then the puppy's basically learning that, wow, now I'm getting in trouble for retaliating, and here the adult dog has been, you know, growling at me all the time and gets nothing, but every time I come near him, I get yelled at. Now I really don't like the adult dog. So now we've gone from just some behavior issues to truly not liking each other. And that's when things get to the point where we cannot turn it around all the time. So how do we handle this? Establishing that leadership, very important. Understanding the motivation behind your dog's behavior is also very important. Um, if your adult dog growls at your puppy when it tries to take a toy, totally appropriate. If your adult dog growls at the puppy because it's walking five feet away past it, that is inappropriate behavior. But do we scream and yell at the adult dog? Absolutely not. What we can do is just interrupt that behavior. We use a very simple, that's enough, with a redirect, um, which is the split up in the communication skills, to tell them that growling isn't necessarily wrong, but it's, it's how you're using it right now that's inappropriate, and I would like for you to redirect your behavior and redirect yourself. So it's not using a harsh tone or screaming or yelling. It's giving the dog communication that right now it's not appropriate to do that. And so you start to interrupt that behavior. And of course, on the flip side, when that puppy is walking five feet away and your adult dog is not growling, we're praising the adult dog. And we're also praising the puppy for being respectful to the adult. So it's about teaching the behavior around each other and not misinterpreting it and punishing the raw dog because then you will create um, some not very good feelings between each other. And sometimes there's no going back with that. So be very careful on that. If you have any doubt, reach out to a positive trainer who has complete understanding of dog behavior and dog communication and has worked with inner pack aggression issues. But understanding that motivation is huge. You can really make problems worse or you can make it better. Again, this is why we teach the owners because the owners are really, you're the glue that holds everything together. So, you know, get yourself educated on that portion of things so that you know exactly how to handle it when it happens. You know, when a puppy starts to grow, at some point they are going to mature and start trying some different things. And they may try to be a little bit of a brat to the adult dog. And if that's the case, your job will be to interrupt the puppy and help it learn better behavior. But don't be screaming and yelling. If you don't know who caused the problem or if the snarl or snap or growl was appropriate, then don't say anything. It's better just to leave that alone and watch for it the next time so you can see what's taking place. So if you're not sure, no one should be getting in trouble for that. The other problem that I see a lot of times is where, let's take two adult dogs. Uh, let's take Bandit and Sophia. So Bandit is the older dog and Sophia, um, she's about a year younger. And they've been living together uh, now for just a, you know, we'll say they started together and within two weeks, um, you know, they were they were playful of each other and hanging out a lot, but then it got to the point where they just didn't spend as much time together. And you started seeing that two to three weeks into the relationship. And about six months into the relationship, they started fighting. And um, Sophia was actually attacking Bandit. And people will call me and say, you know what, all of a sudden, they just started fighting out of the blue. You know, Sophia just attacked Bandit for no reason. There's always a reason. 
and it's never out of the blue. If I looked back on history, and this is what I will usually do, this is how it typically goes. For five and a half months, every time Sophia tried to walk into the kitchen near the dog food where it's stored, Bandit would come and block her path. She would go and lay by the door. She would give her a side eye. She may do a very quiet snarl. And Sophia would just walk away because, well, Bandit's been there longer. So Sophia would just walk away. Then it gets to the point that if Sophia just tried to walk into the kitchen, not even near the food, Bandit would come over and stand in the middle of the room and just stand there, not even necessarily staring at Sophia. Sophia walks away, respects Bandit, and we move on. Now, when these things happen, there's no real vocalization. There's nothing external that's so obvious to the human. So, in the human's mind, nothing's happening. Well, in Sophia's mind, she's learning that Bandit is being a bully, being territorial, and resource guarding. And she's doing it silently. So, eventually... Sophia gets really tired of being bullied every time she's trying to walk into the kitchen just to get water. She finally attacks Bandit because she's done with the behavior. What does the owner see? Sophia attacking Bandit out of the blue for no reason. When in fact, Sophia has been patient for months and has finally gotten tired of Bandit's behavior. So, You really need to start watching your dog's behavior. You need to educate yourself and keep listening to our podcast. And I'm going to do my best to educate you through this. But a lot of these things that we talk about obviously are visual and, you know, we want you to be able to see it. And and of course, we do have videos on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. And I want you to watch those and I want you to see behavior and we'll, we'll try to start putting some more things together for you. But there are so many things that happen that we just don't know because we're not educated. And if you have these dogs and you have multiple dogs, you have to educate yourself. You have to be able to watch behavior and watch these silent behaviors and the silent communication that these dogs are giving each other so that you can help prevent these issues from happening. And you have to set expectations and you have to teach them and you have to train them and you have to have good verbal control. So that if you see something, you can control it verbally without getting excited, without bullying yourself, without being aggressive yourself. Because if you're aggressive towards your dogs because of their aggression, guess what? You're only going to get aggression. Aggression meets aggression equals aggression. Think about that. If somebody comes up to you and starts screaming at you, if you scream back, what's going to happen? You're not going to just sit there and keep screaming. If somebody comes up and starts screaming at you and you just stare at them blankly and say nothing, they're going to eventually stop screaming. It may take them a couple of minutes, but if you're confident and consistent and patient, you'll get the result that you're looking for. You want to give your dog something to mirror. You want to be that true leader. Dogs do not want to have conflict, but they do need a leader that's going to say, hey, these are the rules here. These are the expectations. This is what I want from you. This is what I'm going to allow. This is what I'm not going to allow. And if you do that, then you can have a harmonious life with your dogs. You know, I mean, I've had up to four or five dogs at once. I'll probably never do that again. I'm personally, I kind of like a one or two dog only. We're now at three with three cats. 
the cats are sometimes like dogs. I have to probably do the majority of the interruption of the puppy towards the youngest cat, you know, but I have to control that now and teach the puppy now so that they can grow up liking each other and trusting each other. Not getting to the point where eventually my cat knocks my dog's eyeball out because she's, you know, he's tired of getting getting chased. So it's my job to make sure that I'm aware of the behavior, that I'm educated on how they communicate and the expectations and and what growling means and snarling means and, you know, that side-eye look and what it means when the dog is blocking a doorway. What does it mean when my dog... My older dog comes and nudges away the younger dog. You know, these are, you know, we don't want to encourage our older dogs to be the leader between the dogs if that's not their natural personality. Just because they were there first doesn't mean that they're the leader. Just because they're there first doesn't mean they should be able to get everything first. All right, so they need to know that they're, you know, all dogs have 49% responsibility for their behavior. You get 51. You're in charge overall. You're in charge of that final say-so. I don't ever encourage people to make one of their dogs the leader because that's like taking someone who is not meant to be a leader and forcing them into a leadership position. That is not going to work. If you're a natural follower and I put you in a leadership position, you might freak out. Right? I mean, if you take someone who likes to be in the background and you put them up on a stage to do a presentation in front of 500 people, they're probably going to have a panic attack. So you can't force a follower into a leadership position. You cannot force a dog to take the leadership position and be in charge of things. Because frankly, these, these dogs are equal in the home. Because you are the ultimate leader. All the humans are the ultimate leader. That 51%, you control all good things. You get final say-so. And they have 49% responsibility. Now, dogs will typically learn what, you know, their favorite things are. You know, you'll have dogs that will share leadership or will share uh, the main role in things like play or going through the door first, or eating, or laying in a certain area. Because, you know, if one dog wants the dog bed, and the other wants, you know, lays on the floor, the one on the dog bed probably just prefers the dog bed. And the one on the floor says, well, I could take it or leave it. So, yeah, you can have it. Because that's how it, that's how it works. That's how living together works. It's called compromise. What's important to you? What's important to you and what's important to my partner are two different things. My partner does most of the dishes in the house. And so, you know, she loads the dishwasher on a regular basis. And I am pretty picky on how I like the dishwasher loaded. But because I don't load the dishwasher, I no longer say anything. Because frankly, it's just not that important anymore. She's doing the dishes. It's getting taken care of. Whatever. It's fine. I'll move on. And dogs are the same way. Some are fine with, you know, going outside first. Some want to be in charge of play. Some don't care. So you've got to watch your dogs and see what it is that they really prefer and help them with that if another dog is trying to be a bully about it. 
Otherwise, let them establish it. They're so much better at learning how to be cohesive than we are. We get a little too selfish. We get a little too self-centered where we think that everything's important. And I tried for a couple of years to really drive home that point of that dishwasher. And now it's just like, you know what, who cares? The dishes are getting clean. They're being taken care of. I don't have to worry about it. I have other things to do. That works. So, you know, and I am a natural leader. She's a natural follower. And it's fine. It works. But it's, you know, dogs will learn how to be cohesive. They'll learn compromise. If we just stop, one, being too disruptive, uh, if we stop being aggressive towards them and correcting behavior that's not necessarily needing to be corrected, misinterpreting behavior, that's another one, um, and, you know, they'll, they'll figure it out. And, of course, we can help them out. There's no doubt we can help them out. But it's changing our behavior first. Had a client the other day. They have a German Shepherd who is started as a pup and started out um, resource guarding the couch from the older dog. And now that um, every time that she would get mad at the older dog, they would scream and scruff grab the German Shepherd. Well, the German Shepherd started to learn that every time the old dog walks in the room, there's a really good chance I'm going to get yelled at. So I'm going to make sure that now that older dog stays away from me. Now it's escalated. Now they're fighting. It's not out of the blue. So changing that behavior is super important. Teaching what we want. Setting those expectations. Setting those boundaries. Understanding behavior completely so that we can teach dogs that you can have the world. I, I will give it to you, but here are the rules. Make sure that, you know, you guys work it out together. I will help you if you come to a point where, you know, you're both wanting the same thing. I will help you figure that out. But, you know, you got to make sure that you're educated. It all comes back to you. Education. Educate yourself. And if you need help with it, you know, you know, reach out to someone who is educated, positive trainer, who does not use prong collars and shock collars and those type of things. And lastly, um, you know, dogs are going to need their own space. So I don't recommend crating dogs together. In other words, don't crate them in the same crate. I don't recommend um, always making them be around each other. Um, we have our oldest dog who likes to get away from our middle child, and that's the middle dog. Um, you know, Jake will go and lay in the bathroom because he wants to get away from Dayan. Well, Dayan will go in there and lay right in the hallway by the door. I'll make her move because he's saying, I need, I just need some time away from you. And I've got to help him with that because she loves him. She really wants to be with him a lot, but I've got to allow him that space. Otherwise, he's going to start getting really grumpy and we may start having some altercation. So I'm going to help him out and I'm going to make sure that there's respect that's taking place. I said, don't force your dogs to be together all the time. Don't force them to do everything together. Spend some individual time with your dog. Take one for a walk. Teach them how to walk. Just take one, you know, to the lake. I have one who loves to swim. I took her and the puppy the other day. Before that, I took just her. And then, you know, maybe the next time I'll take all three. 
but I like to give some individual time to them so that they have time apart. They're not having to eat right next to each other all the time. They're not having to sleep right next to each other all the time. They're not having to do every single thing together. Even as pack animals, they need, they still need some individual quiet time. If you have um, some problems and you're not um, sure if you even have a trainer in your area, I do have a book on Amazon, Multiple Dog Household, um, and this is going to talk about dealing with aggression issues or inner pack issues. You can get it, like I said, on Amazon. Just search my name. You'll see there are several books out there. I highly recommend that. And if you don't have problems with your dogs, great. But let's make sure that they are trained and the expectations are set and they know what you need them to do so that we can keep everybody cohesive and harmonious and life can be absolutely wonderful together. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Um, I, I was really passionate about this because I deal with it a lot. So hopefully all of this made some sense to you. And if you have questions, feel free to shoot us an email at info at dogspeak101.com. Check out the website. We have blogs. We have our videos. Um, and get on our Facebook page. Uh, a lot of times we'll throw out some information and, you know, give some advice to help you guys out. Sometimes we do our Facebook Live, and you can get involved with that. So there are many ways to, to get education from us, even if you're not local. And, of course, if you have a bunch of dog friends and... Uh, you want to do a communication seminar, I do travel, and we could definitely get you set up, and we could even do a whole weekend workshop on multiple dogs. I hope you guys have a great week. Get out there, work your dogs individually, start looking at behavior, make sure that no one is being a bully and being disrespectful. Get some harmony in that home, and I will see you guys next week, Dog Speak Geeks.